Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you, Danny? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm hopefully doing much better after uh, trying to figure out some of the uh, stream issues that uh, may have been happening on my end. So we'll see how this goes. And uh, Sounds good. Hopefully everything goes off without a hitch. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, um, busy weekend. A couple of, I think I did like three shows. Um, so that was different. Um, haven't done that in, I don't know, since pre-COVID, really. Hi, John Rudels. How are you, buddy? Um, Rudels! Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, very busy weekend. Um, had Sunday off, so got to hang out at home, so that was nice. Um, yeah, I mean, can't complain. You, uh, you, did, you didn't happen to do a show at the Pavilion this weekend, did you? Were you in my neck of the woods again? No, no, I was not. I was down okay. in the city all weekend. So okay. I did a uh, corporate event on Friday and then uh, and then double dipped on a festival on Saturday. It was a good time. So Nice. Yeah. Nice, oh, nice. Rangers signed Dallas Keuchel to minor league deal. Oh, boy. Hmm. Old friend alert. So Yeah, well, you know, uh, they can keep signing him all over the place, but uh, – I think uh, I think he's donezo, man. It's uh, it's pretty evident. Did the ADRA tip you off? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when he, he, that might have something to do with it. You know, there were some folks that had, were in the school of thought that uh, you know, once he left the Chicago White Sox, that it was going to be one of those things where he finds his way again. And ah, uh, uh, yes, yes, you know. But uh, at this point in his career, I think. Uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be gone at least this season. Maybe he does something in the off season, but you know, we heard that uh, whole song and dance last year. Where oh, I know what I'm doing wrong, and I'm working on some things. And don't worry, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, no, I don't think. Um, you know, I will say that it's not very often that White Sox pitching leaves and gets better when they leave, unless it's like an injury situation. At least you know. I'm sure that there are the outliers, but for the most part, that's it's usually the pitching's as good as it's going to be here. And then, even if they go somewhere and they're really good right off the bat, they kind of tail off. At least that's what right. I've noticed. I mean, you know, Xavier, how you doing? Welcome, Xavier Sanchez, our White Sox Daily's own Xavier Sanchez. You'll see him on the Twitter machine. What's up, Pusher? Happy Monday, sir. Good evening to uh, everyone. Um, so, uh, the series with the guardians, well, the guardians, um, you know, there was the stretch of 19 games that everybody talked about that it was going to be a make or break. And, uh, if they didn't do well on that run right there, that, you know, you could effectively cancel the season. And uh, the White Sox go out and they do what they've been really good at this year, which is splitting. You know, it's yeah. pretty much completely flat even. Um, I forget what the exact mark was. It was 10 and 9, I think. I think that's what it was. It was one game above 500. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, yeah. Uh, it was either 10 and 9 or 11 and 8. Because they did pull together a couple of uh, wins there that, we're a little shaky. 
But uh, yeah, I, I'm not exact. I don't remember the exact numbers. I didn't quite look at them. Yeah. But you know, the thing was, is you know, you talk about them doing what they've been doing all season, and the one thing I want to point out during that, there at least to that point, is that uh, again they did not just split, but they they won some games on the road and faltered a little at home. That sounds and, familiar. Uh, yeah, we've been seeing a lot of that. You know for the first half and beyond to this point. Yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the deal is with them and guaranteed rate field, but they need to get the ball rolling at home because this is – it's embarrassing, quite frankly, uh, for your home record to be that much worse than your road record is uh, – um, Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about it last – well, we've been talking about it a lot over the course of the season, actually. But, you know, I think I mentioned, and I still feel like this might be true, is I would just wonder if they're pushing a little bit at home in front of the home crowd because of all the pressure of, you know, being hyped up to be this juggernaut in the uh, AL Central going into this season. Which, you know, in in the AL Central, there's not really, there's there's no real juggernaut there. Uh, so to say that as in the AL Central, you do kind of expect more from this White Sox team, and it's been unfortunate that they have not been able to put it together at home. So I don't know if it's just that pressure or what, but you know they seem to do things on the road that they cannot do at home, and you just got to wonder why. Yeah, I went through and looked at the standings today just to see. You know, I got curious as to where the White Sox would be in each division uh, with their record the way it's at, and the only one that they would be in single digits of the lead uh, other than the division that they are in uh, is the National League Central, um, I think. Which is pretty poopy, too. Yeah, I think that they – I think with the National League Central, I think it was like seven games out or nine games out or something like that, but it was single digits. All the rest of them were like, you know, 15 games, 17 games, 19 games out. Um, It's not good. And it yeah, let me ask you: Does that sound like a uh, does that sound like a a, a contender? Yeah, does I mean, I was like going to say it doesn't bode very game? well for playoffs. You know, I mean, yeah. I know that uh, you just get into the dance, and then uh, you know, if you get into it, anything can happen. It's all who's hot at the moment, but I don't know. It just that it doesn't doesn't. Sp- speak well about where the White Sox have been so far this year. And, um, you know, I, you know, we've been trying to make a decision of when we're going to be able to, you know, wash our hands of, of the season and finally say, you know, it's time, you know, the, the season is over, burn it down, you know? And it's like, no matter what happens, you know, and it's not that, you know, for, for those of you listening slash watching here on the stream here on uh, twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily, obviously, you know, this is a White Sox stream slash podcast. We do not want them to be bad. Um, but, no, not at all. You know, it's just the, uh, the, the constant back and forth and, uh, always at 500 never really far above 500 not below 500 um you know i mean there's been some 
Yeah, I think they started off the season with a six-game. They lost, uh, and then they went on like a six-game winning streak or something like that. Um, I think they were six and two at one point. I think it's April twenty-sixth, if I'm not mistaken, is the last time they were more than a game over five hundred. Yeah, it's ugly, man. Uh, You know, that's uh, trying trying to find positivity with this uh, just looming over the team the entire time. It's tough, you know, and it's, well, you know, the thing is, is we can do like some of these other podcasts out there and we can, we can highlight, you know, the last, you know, month and a half, two months of Jose Abreu's 2022 season. And, you know, we can highlight, say the first couple of months of Tim Anderson's season, you know, and, before he uh, went down with injury and, and had outside uh, you know, distractions. Uh, we could do those things. We can talk about Dylan Cease on an individual level and, and the greatness phenomenal. that he, yes, he is absolutely phenomenal is the perfect word. And we, we can, we can highlight those things, but you know, the thing is, is we're here for the final result. You know, at least as White Sox fans, you you can say these are all great things. But, you know, if they don't go beyond the first round in the playoffs, if they even make the playoffs at this point, because the only way it seems to make the playoffs now is you have to win the division because, you know, it looks like everybody else has got the uh, wild card spots pretty much locked up, at least at this point in the season. Now, now, obviously, there's still some time left, but it's... It's not our nature here at White Sox Daily to focus on the fluff of a couple of individual accolades when the team is not performing the way it was billed to perform. Yeah, no, we don't. We definitely do not do that. Um, that is one thing that uh, that I kind of hang our hat on is that we're not just trying to uh, find all the positives. You know, I mean try and talk about the positives, but I mean, you know, we're not magnifying the, the couple of positive things and. Well, and you know, there's nothing wrong with those, those groups that do that. By all means, go out there, do that. Find those, those, you know, those bright spots. That's fantastic. But I want to see more. And that's, it's, you know, that's what I'm here for Uh, as a fan. I've got a lot of time invested in trying to find some entertainment value out of this team. And, you know, those individual accolades are are great, but the end result leaves me frustrated. Yep. And uh, that's not fun. Nope. <laughs> if I want to be frustrated, I'd stay at work all day long or, I don't know, argue with the wife. All week long. <laughs> um, so going back to the, the Guardian series, uh, so – Giolito with uh, death of a thousand paper cuts, um, <laughs> you know, didn't really particularly pitch terribly. Uh, wasn't great, and the results obviously not good. Um, you see, uh, Guardians base runners uh, taking extra bases while the outfielders are, you know, taking their time getting to the baseball. Uh, running on Gavin Sheets any single time that he gets the baseball. Um, you know, just uh, in general, just an ugly game. Um, 
And, you know, the first game of the doubleheader, Johnny Cueto pitched fairly well, like he has every time that he's gone out for the White Sox. Uh, you know, minus, what, two starts. It's like 10 out of 12 for quality starts so far this year and leads the team in quality starts. And uh, he doesn't do particularly terribly, uh, but, you know, he ends up, you know, not getting a not getting a win. The White Sox don't win. Um, and, you know, they run out Lance Lynn for the second game. And I don't know how you were feeling going into that second game, but after watching two games of that nonsense, I was fairly certain with the way that Lance Lynn has pitched for, you know, his start to the season, you know, coming back from injury, it's not been pretty. So I was fully expecting to uh, get swept in that doubleheader and uh, at, you know, at maximum win one out of four, which, you know, is not something that I, I'm I'm not proud of it. Uh, But, you know, that's just kind of how I felt. You know, I was not expecting him to to come out and, uh, you know, necessarily uh, be terrible, but I was expecting, you know, the same thing that we saw out of Lucas Giolito, you know, just uh, hits, 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 hits. And uh, Lance Lynn came out and he shut him down. Yeah, uh, I can I can tell you that uh, my confidence was not high going into that second game. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's fortunate that both you and I were wrong. But, you know, when you have that feeling, and like you said, there's been a little bit of a track record with Lance this year since coming back from the, you know, the knee surgery on the meniscus. And you just kind of feel like, well, here we go. We come back after the All-Star break. And like I said in last week's stream, you know, the question I've been asked about what do you need to see from the White Sox in the second half to uh, show you that uh, they are going to, you know, possibly be the team to turn it around and win the, the central. And I, I said it, I need to see them win some more games at home. And the first two games after the break, they come out flat and, you know, going into that second game of the second half, you thought, well, as flat as they were these last two games, how is it going to be possible that they can find any kind of energy to, uh, you know, maybe spark something and turn it around and, Fortunately, Lance Lynn pitched the best game that he had pitched all season up to this point. Yeah. Um, you know, we could we certainly should at least bring <coughs> up the uh, lineup construction again. And mm. just the, the fact that nobody can seem to play more than a couple of games in a row. Um, Tim Anderson Especially comes coming back. after. Coming back from the All Star break, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got four days guys. off, and uh, you know Andrew Vaughn, day off. You know, a couple days in, Tim Anderson only plays one of the two in the doubleheader. Um, you know, of course, Jose Abreu plays every single game. Um, uh, Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graveman pitch the first game in the doubleheader and don't come out for the second game in the doubleheader. And we are treated to a high leverage Jose Ruiz relief appearance, which, you know, we've, I don't, we don't need to talk about him. You know, in fact, I'm not, 
I'm not putting any more airtime into that guy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just – and I, I've heard it mentioned on other – uh, other podcasts, you know, that uh, that Tony is getting relay, relayed information from the training staff and they're telling him that these guys are not available and that's why they're not playing. Um, I mean, that's entirely possible um, and probably likely because he did not sound too thrilled that he wasn't able to start uh, Andrew Vaughn. Um, but, you know... We're in late July here, and we've been dealing with this since you know April, May, June, and now July, where these guys can't play more than two games in a row without getting a day off. Um, at what point is this going to turn around, and these guys start playing, you know, five, six times a week? I mean. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, you, you can't you can't construct a lineup that is consistent if these guys don't play. Well, you know, you know my first question is is how is it that so many other teams are able to put guys who are, you know, 32, 33, 34 years old into lineup every single day? guys that are on pace to play 145, 150 games. And our stars, our superstars, are lucky if they're going to play 120. Other than Jose Abreu. Other than Jose Abreu. Yeah, I mean. And, uh, well, it, you know, and the legend. Uh, it seems like he might, he, he probably uh, be pretty very close durable. to, uh, the, yeah, top four or five on the team. So, yeah, yeah. I, it just makes you wonder why and how these other teams can be conditioned to be able to do that. And our strength and conditioning coaches and training staff are telling our manager that these guys can't play. And then I got to wonder how much of that is the truth. How much is that is how much is that is him diverting to someone else? Is it, is it the manager's decision? Is it the training staff's decision? I don't know. I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I just feel like something's not gelling there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we brought that up, Xavier. Dallas Keuchel to the Texas Rangers. In case you hadn't heard and you joined us late, uh, Dallas Keuchel is now a at least minor league version minor of league. the <laughs> Texas Rangers. Uh, yeah, Pusher Robot brings up the clubhouse, clubhouse culture. And, you know, the thing is, is that one thing that's been said about Jose Abreu for his entire career is that he's one of those guys that leads by example. He's not necessarily a vocal leader. Um all I got to say is that if he's leading by example, all these guys have to do is look across the locker room and see this guy going out every single day and playing, regardless of what kind of ailments he's got. You know, that guy is always out there. He won't be taken out of the lineup. And, you know, we've been watching this all year long where these guys just do not go out on the field. And the thing, you know, when Vaughn was brought up, TLR said that uh, he had talked to uh, James Cruck, the the trainer, and he had basically told him that, no, he's not available today. And at what point, you know, at what, you know, maybe uh, one thing that, that occurred to me this week when I was thinking about all this stuff was at some point, 
maybe he's been waiting for a player to say, you know what? I don't feel all that great today, but I'm playing. I'm not, I don't want to sit out. Keep me playing. You know, I know that I'm sore. Uh, and you know what? That's, that's what happens is that you have soreness and little nagging injuries that go through the entire year. I don't care. I'm going to play through it. Put me out there. You know, I mean, is he, maybe he's waiting for somebody to, uh, you know, get that attitude, that swagger where they're just like, I'm not sitting out. You know, I mean, maybe he's waiting for that. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just completely taken out of everybody's hands and what the training staff says goes. I, I don't know. Um, all I know is that it just is not a recipe for success when your players cannot continue to play. You know, we've talked about rhythm, consistency. The team can't get a rhythm or a consistency if the guys aren't playing. I agree 100%. But then I have to question, too. You're talking about he's waiting for a player to step up and say this kind of thing. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, that's on the coach as well. If the coach doesn't light that fire under his team and push these guys to be their utmost best, Who's where they where they finding this motivation to step up and say you know what I'm ready to be the I'm ready to be the guy coach I'm ready to be that guy that fights through everything and goes out and hustles every play and doesn't take a day off and doesn't take a playoff and I, I'm ready to be that guy when the coach is sitting there on his hands going yeah you know what yeah if you want to want to take the day off that's fine yeah you, oh you told James Cruck that. You're just not feeling it today, and he's telling me that you're not available. Eh, whatever. There's well, just it just it gives me that feeling of a whatever attitude. Well, uh, where does that come from? Where do I mean? Do we see a whole lot of energy coming out of that uh, out of that office? I don't. You know, uh, I don't know if you saw the. Uh, you know, when you think of fire and. Uh, an excitable personality. I don't know if you saw the uh, the tweet from earlier this week with uh, Guillermo Quiros uh, in uh, Canapolis. That was fantastic, fantastic. You know, I should. I, you know, I'm going to find that and I'm going to bring that up because um, for people that like uh, manager ejections, this one <laughs> is uh, one of the better ones. I mean, it, it's not. Uh, I forget who the guy was, but the guy, you know, army crawling out at uh, at the pitcher's mound and throwing yeah, a rosin bag like a hand grenade. It's not that, <laughs> but um, but this is it's pretty stinking good. Strikeouts. The Woodpeckers only gotten one hit. Pitches up and away on Hallmark. One and zero is your count. Hallmark zero for one tonight. He had a strikeout to lead off oh, the ball game. Looks like he's gonna have a chat. Untucks with his jersey, the walks out. In a Jalen Goodman. <laughs> Looks like he has been tossed indeed. Okay. And now Guillermo Quiroz is actually picking up scoops of dirt and dumping it on home plate. I've never seen Guillermo Quiroz this animated, but he is going after it. Dumping mounds of dirt on home plate. Getting animated. He's obviously very irate. Covering home plate up completely. <laughs> cursing out Jalen Goodman. That is 
that's good stuff. You know, I, you know, I, I'm a, I am a fan of of good ejections, and that's a good one. Um, so I had to put it up because it made me laugh. So, um, but I mean, you never see, you never see anything like that out of TLR. I mean, it's, it is very far and few between that he gets, uh, that he gets thrown out. You know, he doesn't come out and argue. He'll come out and, uh, and clarify for, you know, a second. Um, but that's pretty much about it. You know, it's not, I'll never uh, forget what he did to protect Jose Abreu. You know, he went and held that catcher back, like, uh, you yeah. know, let me just, I'm going to hold you back here. Just get out of the way. Yeah, there, you know, it's, uh, there he is. <laughs> there there he is. is. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, they, they, you know, we've, we had this conversation, you know, where the, where the team takes on the attitude of the manager and, uh, just the fact <laughs> that there's a little bit, you know, a lack of there being some fire there. And, um, uh, you know, I that might there there might be some credence to that. I don't know, but I will say that it's just there there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of energy. Um, you know, it seems like everybody's just kind of going about their business, and that for the most part, it's not like and you know, I, I understand it's it has to be hard to enjoy yourself when the team is playing the way that it's playing, and when you see guys on your team you know, doing things that are counterproductive to winning. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this, you know, the lack of accountability from the manager's office. Now, is that because he feels that he doesn't have enough guys to be able to hold people accountable? I mean, that's entirely possible with the amount of injuries and uh, just nagging, you know, nagging injuries that have – See, I don't buy that though. You know, this is this that's the the point. And I get the the point that I'm I'm going to bring up. The reason I say this is because it, it, across the socials, across, you know, the bloggers and all the different sites that want to write about this and they want to take some of that blame off of TLR and put it on the players, which I'm not opposed to because you know, in all honesty, there is some truth to the fact that, you know, these guys just have to go out and perform. I am not taking anything away from that when I say I want more from Tony LaRusa. But when we're talking about the players going out and performing, and I just lost my train of thought, I'm not gonna lie. Um son of a it's just well, gone. How about this? I'll I'll bring this up. Um when Carlos Correa was signed by the twins, when he showed up, he had the entire infield taking extra infield practice and working on what they were doing. And he set the tone for how that team was going to operate. And when you watch them play baseball, they have their stuff together. You don't see them making stupid, you know, mental mistakes. You don't see them making very many physical mistakes. If it, you know, if they make any mistakes at all, it's just, you know, due to a mishandled, ground ball or something like that. Um, it's, it's not very often that you see them, you know, doing something real dumb. Uh, the white Sox have been awful with that. You know, the, it's just, it's something, you know, that I look at it and I'm just like, there's, there's something here. There's something missing. 
there's some sort of a, uh, I guess I would say like a, a plus glove leader making everybody accountable for what they're doing. And that it seems that that kind of leadership, you know, like when, when you hear these rumors about lack of player leadership in the locker room, that's the kind of thing I think of. Because when I watch them on defense and I watch them completely unravel in a game, which has happened numerous times this year, where if it's, it's like if, if one bad play is made, there are numerous bad plays made all in the same game. And yeah. it just seems to me that there's not somebody that's there to say, okay, enough with the horse crap. Let's get back to business. It's time to put your head on straight and get this stuff back in order. And it doesn't seem like there is that kind of a guy around, you know, especially, you know, like, you know, normally people say, you know, people had mentioned that TA might be that guy, that he might be the leader of the clubhouse, you know, whatever. Um, but when he's one of the guys that's making the mistakes, can he really turn around and tell everybody else, Hey, you know, let's straighten our stuff out when he's the one who's throwing the ball around. Right. You know, I, and same thing with Jose Abreu, you know, I mean, we've seen him do some silly things as well. Like just standing in the middle of the baseline and waiting to be tagged out by a catcher. I mean, we've seen. Yeah, I just, mean, that was ridiculous. We've seen that so much bad insanity. stuff, you know, and there doesn't appear to be anybody that's willing to, you know, get in these Step guys' faces up. and say, hey, guys, yeah. what are we doing out here? You know, and if it is, it's not for a consistent period of time because we've seen it so often throughout this entire year that it just. Once it starts unraveling, it just keeps on going for the rest of the game, and they just play a bad game, you know? Yeah, so I, I agree. I mean, and, Josh you know, Harrison's was, great, but, you know, he's new. He's not going to assume a leadership role. He's not the kind of guy that's going to do that kind of thing. No, and you're usually looking for your stars to step up and kind of do that. And, you know, let's be honest, as solid as Josh Harrison's defense is most of the time, he started the season off rather slow offensively. So, you know, it's hard for somebody who's not putting both sides of the ball game together. You know, you might be a, a defensive stud, you know, a la Adam Engel in the field. But can you really expect Adam Engel to be, uh, you know, a, a veteran leadership voice in the clubhouse when you're hitting 220 and you're on the IL, you know, every other month because your hammies are – yeah you know, rotten rubber bands. No, you know, uh, it's difficult for those guys. And, you know, you, you brought it up earlier that Jose Abreu is kind of a, the leader on this team, but he leads by example and not by his, you know, his, his big presence and, and, and boisterous voice. Uh, you know, sure. After, you know, the, the, the slide at home plate that we saw uh, a week and a half ago before the All-Star break, and he was in the dugout having fun and trying to get these guys laughing and, and giggling and whatnot. That's fine and dandy, but, you know, that's one game. And it was one game where people were talking, oh, my God, is that is this, is, this is the moment. This is the moment. Well, the thing is, is you got to be able to keep that energy up day in and day out. And, unfortunately, this team just seems unable to do that right now. And I get that 
when you're losing, it's not fun and it's hard to keep a smile on your face. But you know, like you said, you, somebody's got to somebody's got to step up and be that that voice. Somebody's got to take on that role and say, "He just like you said, what the f are we doing?" You know, yeah. get together, grab a focus. I don't care what's going on in the outside world right now, but you're you're here. You're at the stadium. You're in the game. Let's get this done. You worry about your outside life when the game's over. And I know that's difficult when these guys are, you know, in baseball mode nine, ten months out of the year. You know, but we all got to go to work every day, just like everybody else. And we all have to work through issues in life and, and, and whatever else is going on. These guys are no different, you know, and they're human beings. I get that. But for the love of God, I'm not making millions of dollars a year. And I still got to go to work and show up and do my job every day. And if I don't, guess what? They're going to find somebody else. They can. Unfortunately, as Sox fans, <laughs> our, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> choking on a tomato skin, stuck in the back of my throat. That's what I get for eating during stream. Unfortunately, we have a, uh, a front office and an ownership team that uh, seems to be loyal to a fault. No matter, you know, hey, listen, uh, well, I get it. You're going through some things, so we're going to give you some time to figure it out, and we're not going to let you go because we love you. We love you. And, and, you know, fine, that's a great environment for a workplace to have that kind of vote of confidence. Maybe. I don't know. But what this team needs is some fire, and the only word that we've gotten of fire so far is Kenny Williams going down and, you know, beating on some garbage cans or something. Who knows? You know, I don't really know, but – uh you got to see just somebody, just somebody, anybody, and do it on a regular basis. Our manager isn't going to do it. He's half asleep. Yeah, I'd say that's fairly evident at this point that he's not going to be the one who's going to be doing the motivating. You know, I mean, last year, the, uh, the, the bench guys, next man up mentality, you know, they seem to take that on. And uh, with a Brian Goodwin and a Billy Hamilton kind of guy, you know, those guys are, uh, you know, they're fighting for their lives in Major League Baseball, you know? Yeah, and you know, it's it's been talked about that Billy Hamilton's been that guy in other clubhouses. He's a high-energy kind of personality. And, you know, when people talk about Tim Anderson – being that guy he has been in the past he's a high energy uh type of guy and we're just not seeing that out of him this year maybe it's because of whatever he's got going on in his own there that we're not going to get into here but you know we don't see the we don't see the change the game timmy this year you know he even when he hits a dinger we're not getting that crazy bat flip we're not getting you know the the smack talk and and the the chest pumping and you know pounding and it's a different vibe even from him and uh i I don't know it's a shame that they're just there's no fire at least not the same kind of fire that we've ever seen you know in the last couple of seasons here yeah no and that's a that is a reasonable thing to bring up you know um i'm looking right now because I can't remember 
I guess it's it's been a week. He had a home run against Minnesota in the six to two to six to two win. Um, but before that, you know, his last home run was May twenty second. Right. I mean, there's clearly you know I don't know whether you know not healthy or whether it's his personal life is following him to the to the park every day, which is entirely possible. Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. not been, well, I mean, it was a, fun. it was a doozy of a, of a, of a leak, you know, obviously. And I could see how that could affect someone's psyche, you know, but, uh, I mean, uh, as unfortunate as that is, you know, we don't know what's true and what's not in that whole situation, which is pretty much the reason I don't want to talk about it here because we don't have the facts. Yep. But uh, if if that's the only person on the team that's been bringing the energy, there has to be somebody else that recognizes that and says, you know what, I'm going to be that guy. And we're not seeing that from anybody. We're not seeing it from anybody. But then again, there's nobody really performing at a level high enough to be that guy outside of Jose Abreu. And we've, we, like we said, he's just he's never really been that guy. Super vocal. It's true. Um, he has uh, two home runs at home this year, which is another thing you know that we've been talking about that the home record's not so stellar. Uh, two out of his six are home home runs. You know, he's, he should be hitting. More home runs here, and you know I don't know you know about the whole pushing aspect of it or whatever. Um, that's not for for me to say at this point, I guess. Uh, you know, and also, you know, none of them have said, "Oh, you know, we're pushing at home, and we're you know we're doing better on the road." But it's because we're pushing at home. I, I don't know if that's you know a thing. Um, another guy that I've heard is a uh, vocal leader and it's a guy that you hear all sorts of uh, headlines from is uh, Liam Hendricks, but he's a closer. Right. You know, and again, you know, when he goes out and gets uh, hammered on by the guardians, you know, are how, how much of that is the, uh, you know, practice what you preach thing, you know, where somebody feels kind of weird doing that. I mean, granted, he's been, you know, one of our two all-stars. Uh, should have been one of our three all-stars, but uh, we won't get into that again. But, um, you know, he goes goes out and pitches and gets one out in the all-star game, and then the Guardians closer is the guy who comes in and gets a save, Emmanuel Class B. So, yeah, well, you know, I can't really – it's it's the all-star game. I can't really say much about that. And, you know, let's be honest, Class A has been uh, – he's been pretty lights out. Oh, know. for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, Liam has had his his struggles here, and he's not as, uh, not as good as he was last year, uh, I don't believe. I'd have to look at the uh, look at the numbers and compare, but I think that he was slightly better last year, even with the whole uh, tipping his pitches – yeah, uh, little uh, thing that he went through, uh, which I was, you know, I'm not entirely sure that he wasn't doing that earlier, and that's why his numbers aren't as good as they were last year uh, for that stretch right. 
earlier this year. But yeah, it's just been a uh, this season, man. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it wears it's on been you. a season. Yeah, it just it's wears been a on season. You. Uh, you know, we could sit here and search for, for reasons, and none of them are really evident right now. Uh, the one that's really been the most evident that we can talk about offensively is their approach. You know, and that's been pretty dismal most of the season. It's slightly kind of moved in a more positive direction here lately with them taking some more pitches and you know, going deeper into at bats and, you know, taking a few free passes. But has that been enough to turn the season around? At this point, I'd say no. Uh, I'd like to see more of that, but, you know, it is what it is. Outside of that, there's really no pulse to put your finger on and say this is the problem because there are so many problems, and I don't think there's going to be one quick fix. But I got to say, the energy level has got to be the one thing that's got to come up and maybe some things start to fix themselves a little bit. But, you know, I don't know. It, who knows? We're, I'm not there. I'm not in the, the club boss locker room. We can try to prognosticate. We can try to diagnose. We can we can do whatever we want. We're only getting so much out of the clubhouse, you know, and our manager speaks from the side of his mouth. You know, I, I mean, he says one thing, does something else the very next day, says something completely different. And there are a handful of times where he says something and you go, what? That don't even make any sense. So I don't know what to believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the one thing, you know, that we've got going for the White Sox is that health does seem to be becoming a little bit better. Um, and, you know, we had uh, Dylan Cease in the final game of that uh, Guardians, and he did what he's been doing this year and completely shut them down. Um, you know, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, Lynn is finally starting to feel back to himself, and uh, hopefully we get good Lynn back, and he's fired up and ready to go and is ready to lead a charge here because – you know, we had had a couple of good starts from Giolito, and uh, he's... Uh, Good evening, Truth Sayer. I'm not even sure he knows what day it is. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um, so Giolito had some good starts, had a, had a rough one against the Guardians here last time. Again, you know, not like the uh, the previous bad starts that he's had where he's given up a bunch of home runs. So that's that's on the positive side of things. Um but uh, we need those guys to step up. You know, last year the pitching carried the hitting. This year, the uh, neither has carried either, really. So, uh, you know, hopefully that means that both of them are going to start warming up here in, down the stretch and is going to help propel them to winning this division and getting hot going into the playoffs instead of, you know, being hot through the first three months of the season and then cooling off and then just kind of coasting into the playoffs and then getting your brains beat in. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, of course, you know, one can hope. Good evening. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, that whole thing's kind of rough. Um, so, uh, the uh, I will just go ahead and get this one out of the way because it's something that I don't particularly want to really stress all that much and I don't want to uh, 
be negative yeah, about it, it in, in one uh, bit at all because uh, huge achievement. Um, so boy, the all-star break, the White Sox players that were not there for the game uh, had had some had some days off. And during that time period, they also shut down the minor leagues. So the minor leagues had the days off. Um, Colson Montgomery went and, uh, you know, hung out with his, uh, look like, uh, you know, from his Instagrams, uh, looks like he was hanging out with his lady friend, which good for him. You know, I'm glad that he had some time to, uh, to unwind and, uh, relax because I, I have to imagine, you know, as big of a thing as that on base streak became, and the fact that it was being posted about every single day and people were retweeting it all over the place. And I have to imagine that it kind of weighed on him. Um, but the first game back from the All-Star break, uh, he his streak ends at 50 games. And the next game he comes back and walks once in singles and you know starts a new streak. Um, yeah, but uh, I just wanted to put that out there that, uh, you know, fantastic streak and um so much potential and uh such a solid approach at the plate looking forward to uh seeing what he does for the rest of the year you know we talked about this last week about the fact that he hasn't played in a full major leagues you know a pro season so he's probably gonna start uh you know he's gonna hit that rookie wall you know at some point i'm sure uh, at least to a point, but the thing is, is that uh, good plate discipline and uh, solid approach does not slump as nearly no. as, but nearly as bad anyway. I, I mean, I don't even expect really some major slump. I just maybe a bit of a slowdown. You know, I wouldn't even call it a slump because this kid obviously has got, like you said, got a great approach, really good eye, and you know, there were games in that fifty-game streak where he didn't get any hits. But he walked. He found a way on base, and he's got a nose for that. So yeah, he kept it going with know. a hit by pitch once, uh, somewhere in the thirties, I believe. Hey man, got to lean into one and take one for the team. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. You know, to I, uh, to point out what he is, what he has done this year uh, at Canapolis, a one fifty four WRC plus, and at Winston Salem, he's at a one forty eight. That's that's uh it's pretty impressive for a rook. Yeah, for for a twenty year old kid. Yeah, it's ball. insane. So uh you know, even if there is a slowdown, uh you know, I, we're still talking overall for the entire season, still monstrous numbers for a a young kid that's just starting to get his feet wet in professional ball and it's amazing, really. Um yeah, so it uh Winston Salem right now he's hitting 301. So, uh 301 with a 416 on base percentage and a 493 slugging. So, that's not something that you're ever going to complain about. No, 900 OPS. 900, yeah, roughly 900 OPS. I, I think uh well, I don't know. It's okay. It's pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. Um the other one, uh, did you see the multi-home run game for Oscar Colas yesterday? I did indeed. 
I did indeed. Yeah. Uh, and when you say multi, I believe that was three dingers. No, he hit two. He hit two. two? He was uh, oh, three sorry. for three uh, with two home runs. Okay. I, I missed. I misunderstood. But uh, I did catch some tweets. Saw some. Uh, saw some stuff put out there by. Uh, I don't know. There's that, that Twitter page. Uh, what is it called? At Daily White Sox on Twitter. That's you can that's find the one. your White Sox minor league highlights. Uh, just to put a number on it. It hasn't been uh, an. Ex- it's a small sample size. Uh, six games for Oscar Colas in Double A, but he is. Hitting 458 with a 500 on base percentage and a 917 slugging, and he's got a 266 WRC plus. Again, six games, wow. very small sample size, but uh, he is hitting the baseball and he seems reinvigorated. And uh, I'll tell you what, his hands have not slowed down at all because his bat speed is phenomenal. Now, in those six games, were they uh, were they at home on the road? A little bit of both. Um, so they were on the road uh, the last. So he was there. I think he was home for the first three games. Yeah, he was home for the first three games before the All-Star break. And then the series after the All-Star break was a three-game series. And they were away for that. Okay. Uh, that's why Kurt Bloom was available to come and do uh, White Sox. All right. Roger that. So, Roger that. Uh, I was just to, curious. Uh, Kurt Bloom on that, by the way. That's awesome and uh his voice you know still awesome you know regardless of the uh the platform the uh the you know between the affiliate and major still sounds good still a enjoyable listen so yeah and he, did you see he uh he tweeted he got himself uh get himself an autographed uh autographed uh scorecard or uh lineup Ooh, card from I did not uh, see that from from the Hall of Famer person. Very nice. Well, that's Hall of awesome. Famer baseball person. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, uh, you know, I have to admit, you know, the fact that it's been that long and this is what the first time that he's come up and done a major league game. That's <laughs> absurd. Uh, if you, if you, if any of you that are listening have not heard Kurt Bloom call a call, uh, call a game, and you didn't catch him up with the White Sox, um, very enjoyable broadcast. Uh, lots of friend of the show, yeah, yes. friend of the show. Uh, interviewed him last season. Um, very enjoyable, very knowledgeable. Uh, nice flow on the games. Calls a nice home run. Nice excited home run. Um, and he's a fantastic human, so there's that on top of it. So uh, very happy for him that he got up. I I would hope at some point that somebody is going to, uh, you know, wrangle this guy and put him in a major league, you know, broadcast somewhere. And, I, you know, I don't want to lose him from the Barons, but at the same time I feel that you – know, the opportunity should have presented itself by now. And the fact that it hasn't is kind of, mm. kind of sad and absurd in my opinion. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, old friend alerts, I've, uh, I'm sitting here watching uh, MLB network and trace Thompson going deep for the law Dodgers. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, like the thing about him is is that he completely disappeared. He was he not did. good for a long time and he disappeared and even before he came to the Dodgers, he was not good. That was why when the Dodgers picked him up and brought him in, I was actually really shocked because I've I looked at his numbers before he got there and they were not good. So the fact that they gave him a chance and then he's coming up here and he's doing this stuff is uh fairly unheard of. Um well kudos to their scouting department because they obviously saw something that they could work with. Yeah. Um so uh I'm just gonna go and look at some of these numbers here. Uh I, I have perused them, but uh your mean Mercedes with the Giants, a one thirty six WRC plus, and he's been playing left field, which obviously we complain about the defensive outfield here. So he's not an upgrade there. Uh, but the Giants have had a lot of injuries, and so they've been kind of forced to find somebody who could provide some offense and, uh, you know, at least pseudo warm body, you know, to uh, put in the outfield. And Yermin has taken that, and, you know, he's putting up some decent numbers. I mean, he's, he's only, I think he's only hitting like 260 or something like that, but, uh, you know, you know. When you got a one thirty something WRC plus, how you can hit two sixty all day? I don't care. Yeah, I, he's still putting up uh, reasonable, reasonable numbers. Uh, Luis Gonzalez, <laughs> one seventeen WRC plus. Uh, also playing outfield for the Giants, which you know um, he plays a pretty stinking good outfield. Uh, he's not I was perfect. Say, we can talk. But can't talk about him being a bad defender. Yep. Uh, now, now I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here. Uh, oh. Jake Lamb, also on the LA Dodgers, uh, 150 WRC plus. Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb. It's you know, it's just you know when we sit here and watch Larry Garcia on a daily basis. <laughs> and I look around and see all these other guys that are making league mm. minimum or, you know, slightly above or whatever. And I just look at the entire landscape of MLB and every single one of these guys that I see all have over a hundred points on Leori Garcia and WRC plus every single one of them, at least. You know, it's just. Oh, you know, makes me wonder because guys leave the White Sox and their bat to ball skills become uh, markedly improved. I just you know, just pointing something out. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. I mean, not you know, you know Zach Collins. He, well, you know, started to, but then uh, got pretty ugly fairly quickly. Uh, True. Yeah, speaking says, of Zach Collins, it oh, really I'm raises questions about the organization, doesn't it? And you know, um, it kind of like does. I said, not saying, just saying, not saying anything. Yeah. just saying. I mean, it makes you wonder. You know, um, you know, there is, of course, that uh, there's always that thing where it's like, oh, a guy just needed a change of scenery. Um, well, one thing that seems to be clear from quite a few people that have left this organization is that they wanted to get away from Tony Larusa. 
Um, that's been mentioned a couple of times in different places. Uh, I have to imagine, mm. even though your means best buddy is Tony Larusa, and that uh, you know they're best friends, and you know if they see each other, no doubt they'll hug each other and there'll be nothing but smiles. But I have to imagine that he's not uh, your means favorite person. And if you saw his uh, his Instagram of when he signed with the Giants after he left the White Sox. Uh, he's, you know, dancing in his uh, pajamas, pouring champagne on his head and singing and rejoicing. Uh, it kind of makes you wonder what's, you know, like a, wh- hey, why, why are you so a, happy to get away? Well, and there's a, there's a, a little bit of a boisterous player that uh, might have some energy that could have been added to a, a, a particular bench with, I don't know, little energy. Maybe uh, just saying. I mean, Again. it's possible. I mean, but we've we've heard rumors that he was a uh, a little bit of a a clubhouse problem uh, with hey, rules well. and you know getting a little too <laughs> too hype about himself and uh, you know I you know I I don't know, man. It's certainly raises some questions that these guys go to other places and are. I mean. Luis Gonzalez, I pretty much expected him to be a, uh, yeah, a uh, at least a halfway decent, you know, outfielder for somebody else. And uh, lo and behold, it did happen. I would have liked it, liked for it to have been here, but you know, it wasn't in the cards. But we decided to just, hang on to Blake Ruth and you know Mike Rodolfo. Yeah, and uh, you know, also neither one of them has come up. So, so this did, also, Lu, did Luis Luis Gonzalez though? I he had some major league experience with the he, uh, he with the some, White Sox. He got and, some hits and he played some decent defense, other than one fly ball that he misjudged and completely whiffed on. Uh, but you know, in his first game, but you know, it, it's this this goes back to a conversation that we had before about the uh, the forty man and the fact that the White Sox are hoarding these prospects and uh, not letting them walk and. You know, waiting for them to develop, blah blah blah, and stopping them from going other places, but yet they're not here. They don't come up right. here, regardless of what they do in in the minors. They're you know like the plan is to keep on running Gavin Sheets out there, who's like two for his last twenty eight or whatever, or three for his last twenty eight, with I think three singles or something. I mean, we're just going to keep on doing this over and over again with subpar defense in right field of all places where usually the one qualification for a right fielder is that the guy has a cannon for an arm. Gavin Sheets does not have a cannon for an arm. He doesn't have the speed for the outfield. He doesn't take good, you know, very good routes. Just the experience isn't there. And yet, we look at the roster and Mark Payton down in Charlotte has got like 15 home runs. And I think he's got 14 or 15 home runs and, uh, and Mike Rodolfo, uh, you know, he's had kind of a, a little bit of a rough year, which well, but both of these guys are actual outfielders. Correct. That's, that's, pretty much where I was going with it is that they're actual outfielders. Mike Rodolfo, 
his bat to ball skills at this point uh, haven't really looked all that great this year. But the thing is, is he is a capable right fielder and he has a cannon for an arm. Uh, you know, Mike Adolfo's bat to ball skills might not be awesome, but uh, neither are Gavin Sheets. You know, he's looked really ugly as well. So I mean, the only uh, thing is, know, is that he's keep... left-handed. So there's that. But so is well, um, whatever. Yep. Are we going to keep traipsing guys out there because we want this lefty, righty, lefty, righty switch hit? Yes. Switch hit. You yes, know, that, that is that's exactly just, what they're going to do. You know, and then, you know, again, we, we keep talking about these guys on the 40, man. It seems like the Sox are absolutely obsessed with organizational depth. And, you know, maybe, okay, I, they've been snake bit for the last few seasons with all these injuries and whatnot. But there's a difference between organizational depth and capable depth. And they have both. Yet we're gonna we're gonna keep the organizational depth, the the triple A and dare I even say there might be a one or two, you know, quad A guys that can bounce back and forth here and there. We're gonna stay infatuated with those guys instead of the guys who are actually performing at their set levels. And you know, maybe they come up and maybe they don't do it. But you know what? The guys that are here aren't doing it either. So what's the harm in giving some of these guys an opportunity? Yeah. I mean, Peyton's had a couple of, uh, you know, he's got like what, like 50, I think like 50 at bats or something like that. Uh, he's breathing and he has a mitt. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is, is he's a good defensive outfielder. You know, if you've seen the uh, the tweets, you know, he's, yeah, that is exactly right. True sayer. He is breathing and has a mitt. And the thing is, is he can use it. He doesn't have a great arm. But the thing is, I think he's he got, was referring to sheets. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, but I mean, you know, Peyton's got 13 home runs and 48 RBIs and 48 runs scored. He has been a catalyst on the on the on the nights. And um, you know, what are we doing here? You know, I and mean, we're four, and he's left-handed. Hey, so if you absolutely have to have a left-handed hitter, Mark Payton's left-handed. So is you know, um, so are a bunch of these guys that can't seem to get a promotion. And then when they finally do, you know, it's been like these guys have been waiting six months for a promotion. Meanwhile, everybody like a like a sheets and you know these these guys that they keep on trying to force and you know round peg into a square hole. Well, they got to keep throwing them out there. They got to build some trade value. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, trade deadlines coming up soon. Coming up in about a week. Yeah, Rick Hahn was quoted <clears throat> as saying, "Well, it's obvious that the most glaring need is the bullpen." Uh, is it really? Is it's it's obvious? It's obvious. They got twenty five percent of their budget wrapped up in bullpen, and so now I'd say you're now you're going oh, to trade away prospects to get more bullpen arms while still not addressing the fact that second base and right field are a major issue, and that starting pitching hasn't been. All that great. Now you got Kopech, who's got a knee injury. 
You got Lynn who's coming back from a knee injury, and there's no guarantee that all of them are going to stay healthy through the rest of the year. Uh, Giolito's velocity has been down for the better part of the year. Yeah, I mean, not he's huge, basically, but yeah. I mean, a little bit, but he's yeah. basically a two-pitch pitcher at, at this well, point. Well, there's definitely that. You know, and uh, I'm sorry, but with the velocity being down a little bit and being a two-pitch pitcher with no, you know, the, the slider was his out pitch, but now he's relying on the slider more often than he ever has. And hitter's just going to sit back on that. Here's a scouting report. Wait till you get one that comes in that looks like a fastball up high and tee off on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> but bullpen. Bullpen's our issue. That's obvious. Uh, you know, I'm just... I did not see this. I did. Where, where was this interview conducted? Um... To be honest, I don't really know who got the quote. Um, let me uh, let me take a look on the old uh, Twitter machine. I know that I definitely saw the quote, and I said to myself, "Oh, this is going to go well on social media." You know, I, the fact that we've already spent millions and millions of dollars on bullpen, and the only reason that the bullpen has been used so much is because the starting pitching hasn't been as good. Because they have to work harder because they've got a second baseman like Larry Garcia who gets two errors in one inning. Because you've got Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn playing right field and can't catch baseballs that extends innings. You know, this is the kind of stuff that makes me sit there and think, are we watching the same thing? Because no, I don't I don't believe we are. If I watch this team and I think of the one thing that, that the team needs, I'm not gonna go say, you know what? This team needs more bullpen arms. See, the problem here is is that regardless of how many bullpen arms you have, Jose Ruiz keeps finding his way into high leverage situations because the manager puts him there. Right. You know, if the if Joe Kelly goes out there and walks three guys, that's an issue. So you're telling me that you're going to trade prospects to get more bullpen guys? Like how many got how many bullpen guys? Like how many how many pitchers are you going to carry on your roster? I- <laughs> you need to at least have eight position players, Rick. You need to at least have eight. And you might, you know, if, I mean, I guess you do have Vince Velasquez who's injured right now, but, you know, you could in a pinch put him in the outfield if you needed to. So technically you only really need seven. But, you know, are we going to have, uh, what, like uh, 18 pitchers and I mean, I know that that's not legal and you can't do that with the roster restrictions, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, well, you know, we got Davis Martin who's been, you know, halfway decent, but we don't want to bring him up. You know, we're just going to, we're going to keep him on an, on an Uber, you know, we're, we're going to keep him on an Uber alert for injuries back and forth so we can trade for someone else and we can trade some of these prospects away to bring in another bullpen arm because we don't have a system loaded with bullpen arms right now 
but that's what we're going to go for. Yeah, I just uh, there's 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 three or four guys in the farm system right now that are capable of coming up here and doing the job. But again, you know, forty well, man issues. I will say that they do have uh, Lane Ramsey and um, Luke Schilling are on their rehabs from injury, and uh, those are two guys that could definitely be a help to the bullpen. Yeah, Luke Schilling just came back though, didn't he? Didn't he? Same thing with same thing with Lane Ramsey. Both pitched on the exact same day. Yeah, and you know, but the thing is, is that they've been ramping up for this activity, so they're going to do their they're going to do their you know appearances, and then they're going to make their way to Charlotte, and then it's going to be it's going to be go time. They're going to be ready. So are we going to not only a we're going to have them, but then we're going to trade for other guys? What are we going to do with all the guys that are there? Right. Right. Foster finally starts pitching well, gets a save the other day. So you're going to demote him. Tanner Banks has been pitching pretty well. Uh, I think he's got a fairly decent whip. I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure his whip's pretty stinking good. Um, The only guy, and, you know, actually, I know I said I wasn't going to bring him up. You know, I wasn't going to give him any more airtime, but Jose Ruiz had actually had like a string of like eight, nine, ten outings where he hadn't like given up anything in a while. So he's actually been doing well. But I think that the thing is there is that, you know, it's the usage of when he gets used that allows him to do that. You put him in high leverage situations and he always gives up a run or two, which he did the other day. Right. But if you need him, just go out there and eat an inning. Yep. And, you know, the sixth or seventh. And, you know, you've got maybe a comfortable lead or you're even down a run or two. By all means, go ahead, throw them out there. But if it's a one-run game and you're throwing them out there in the seventh, eighth, okay, probably not the situation. Or you're bringing them in with runners on base already because, like you said, Joe Kelly goes out there and walks the bases loaded, and now we got to bring in Jose Ruiz. Like, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Who's – I mean, honestly, Hall of Famer baseball person. Hall of Famer baseball person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to go – bullpen is obviously, obviously our, our biggest need. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I've Not got the, the glaring, gaping hole at right field and second base that we have been talking about for years. Years and years. It's maddening. Yeah. So uh, here's what uh, – I don't know who asked the question, but uh, it says um, – no GM in baseball, whether they are in it or not, ever feel they have enough pitching, Han said. We are certainly not immune to that. Primarily, we have needs because Aaron Bummer has been absent for a while, which, you know, I don't, you know, it's been relayed that he's not going to be back until probably September because of a lad issue. So that's going to take a while for him to, to get back. But, um, okay. Uh, he says, and we hope he returns at some point, but it's not a guarantee. I think bullpen is our most obvious need. Crickets. Um, yep. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I got nothing. That's uh, I am, I'm what we can expect. I mean, is this misdirection? It's possible, but. Yeah, it's also given possible the, uh, that it's reality. I was going to say, given the direction of this past off season, 
and last year's uh, trade deadline. You know, uh, I would say it's very possible that it is 100% true that that's the way the front office is feeling and leaning. Uh, you know, granted, the, the uh, crimble thing didn't work out. And, you know, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, and I'm sorry I'm going to get off the I'll get going to go off on just a small tangent here, but everybody pissing and moaning about Pollock right now because Pollock isn't hitting 280. You know, oh, but he did have a three run dinger. Sure uh, did. In that uh, win yesterday. Oh, he gets one lucky ground ball and gets, you know, the winner in, in the second game with a doubleheader, and now he's batting third. Yeah, I get it. I didn't really agree with him batting third either, but having him in the lineup. I don't really mind because guess what? He's an outfielder. He can yep. play. He can play the the outfield. Which has, and, I mean, I will say it hasn't been that pretty this you know this season. Yeah, he's well, actually played a lot worse than I thought he would because he's generally yeah. not a bad outfielder. Right, and I agree with that one hundred percent. But you know, at the same time, I'd rather see him out there than Gavin Sheets any day of the week. Just my personal opinion, but here's the thing: it was the only reason I bring him up. You know, we talk about we're talking about bullpen, and last year, you know, Rick and company went out and got us Crimble, and uh, you know, he was able to trade Mister Crimble and parlay him into AJ Pollock this year. And uh, let me ask you this, folks: which one's giving you more value? You know. Kimbrell didn't do anything for the White Sox. At least Pollock is winning a couple games here and there for you. Well, he did. So, you know, he's doing some okay stuff in in LA. Granted, the LA fans because they expect expect everything to be perfect for them because they, you know, their payroll's huge. But uh, you know, he's he's had some decent outings out there in LA. He's had some a couple of bad ones as well. But for the most part, he's not too bad. And the fact that they're sixty and thirty-one or whatever the heck it is, or sixty-one and thirty or whatever, like I don't want to hear it. So it worked right. out fairly decent for them. And you know the 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 issue's been with Pollock is that Tony Larusa has a problem where handedness is. You know, huge. Despite the fact that AJ Pollock hits righties and lefties. Like and has even splits, he's a righty. So if it's a lefty, you know, can't yeah, play him. Yeah, that that whole thing just. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, um, I would I would say that uh, consistency is a problem for Tony Larusa, or I should say, actually, he's pretty consistent at being inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, how much of it has to do with wh- who's available at what day and whatever, but uh, you oh, know, yeah, it's James been Crump well told him he's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been well documented that he's had like seven, <coughs> 70, you know, different lineups this year. So, you know, that's certainly been pointed out. Um, and there is that. So, but yeah, slave to handedness. Um, certainly hasn't worked out so well so far. So, no. um, at least how about this? It's been okay because they're you know they're five hundred. 
They've been playing 500 ball. It hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been great, that's for sure. Certainly hasn't yielded very many positive results because with the talent that this team has, everybody watching this team going 500 feels like it's a losing season. You know? At least that's that's how I've felt this entire season is that with the talent that's on this team, to watch this team play 500 and especially play it the way that they have done it, they've been really, really lucky that they are 500. So it hasn't worked very very well so far. No. So you would no. think that uh, maybe somebody would be like, well, you know, what you're trying doesn't seem to be working. Maybe you might want to try something else. But, yeah, futility. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Did you happen to uh, catch that, uh, oh, what is it, uh, Whiskey and a Buddy? It's a Shane from uh, 670 The Score interviewed Rick Hahn. Did you happen to listen to that? I did not. He happened to mention that uh, he feels like his opinions are heard in meetings. Uh, whether or not uh, the decisions, the ultimate decisions that are not his to make uh, get used or not is entirely up, is Yeah, he said it's entirely up to the manager. You uh, know? So, um, oh, I mean, think about it. He's not firing TLR. He can't. He's well, got, he, he, he doesn't can't. have the power to do that. His hands are tied on that. Right. So he most can make, GMs have that ability. Most, not this one. He has his hands tied. You know, whether it be by payroll or uh, decision making. Uh, whether you know, I mean, he has to. Uh, you know, they talk about the fact that it's like kind of like a committee of decision makers in that front office. So you have to imagine that KW still is. Got his fingers in there, as does Jerry, of course, because he's the you know principal owner or whatever. Uh, Do you feel like this is a change in that culture, though? Because at the beginning of the rebuild, we were led to believe that Rick Hahn really hadn't been handed the full GM keys until that point. And then it kind of leaked out that now he is finally being given the full authority of GM. And it felt like that. Well, I'm just you know, I'm just saying it did it did kind of feel like that for a little while. For a couple of years there it felt like he was finally pulling most of the strings until it came time for the important decisions to be made. Right. And once then, that manager and now came he in, he has and to push the decisions now, I, through. Yeah, right. Now it's it seems like he's taking a back seat and it just there was a cultural shift when TLR came that came came on and it feels like well now and again like you said maybe it's all just hearsay that uh rock Han, rick did i say rock rick han was ever really given you know the majority of the control of the gm position but uh it, it felt that way and now it feels like that control has been relinquished yeah i feel like it seems like he has less control over what's going on at least this year and last year because yeah well i mean the thing was is that i i felt that um the deals that were made and the you know the stuff that was done i felt like 
a bunch of it made sense, which I didn't necessarily feel like that with the White Sox for a while, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But now, in the last year, uh, between this offseason and last offseason, I feel like, you know, he's right up against his budget, and he can get little bits of money here and there, but not enough to to pull off like the real the real thing. Impact move. Yeah. You know, I mean we've talked about this one a bunch and it's you know it 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 sucks and I hate I, I hate this conversation because the the fact that I feel like the the GM has to fight the owner on a daily basis to try and get things done. It's like, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not for the, it's not what's best for the team. It's not what's best for everybody, except for the fact that, you know, the, the shareholders don't have to part with any money and that they're still going to make their, however many million dollars they make for, you know, being part of the team, you know? It's uh, that's a that's a tough one, and I it's very aggravating. <laughs> so to say the least, yeah. Um, but uh, so are are you thinking that uh, that the bullpen is indeed what's going to? Uh, well, I mean, that's if I mean this is the first I'm hearing about it on stream. Obviously, I did not catch that that uh, quote. You know, but. Uh, uh, you know, again, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, it would not shock me. I feel like uh, when you talk about budgetary constraints, that that might be the place that you could maybe slightly improve a little bit on a budget. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of maybe the direction where he's why he's feeling and saying the things that he's saying. Because he's basically coming out and saying, I can't go out and get that right fielder that everybody covets because I can't afford him. I can't get you an all-star second baseman because I can't afford him. Because my owner is, you know, tying my hands. I am completely handcuffed. So the one place I can go out and spend, a, you know, a couple million dollars maybe yeah, I can is get, in the bullpen. I can spend, I can spend like, uh, you know, for the rest of the year, we can spend like $5 million here on a... On another guy, but the you see, like this is the the whole issue that I that I have with this, you know, this attitude that the White Sox have. That's like when it's time to do something, you know, free agency isn't the only avenue to getting these players. We can also trade players. The problem is they don't want to trade anybody; they want to hoard their prospects. And what Rick Hahn says is like, well, you know, we were disappointed that other teams didn't uh, value our resources like we do. You know, basically saying that, no, the team doesn't want to take, you know, your C-level prospects that aren't your better prospects and part with their talent to give you. And you aren't given the budget to be able to go out and get these, you know, like actually get like a free agent, like what you're going to give away, you know, Colson Montgomery or, 
you know, Jose Rodriguez or Lenin Sosa or, you know, any one of the, like the top 10 prospects, Brian Ramos, uh, Norte Vera, you know, Jared Kelly, and like all these guys, what you're going to give one of them away. So you get, you know, David Robertson from the Cubs or, uh, Andrew Chafin from the Tigers. None of them are going to give you these, these assets for free. You're going right. to have to part with something, and they're not going to take C-level prospects. They're going to want something that they value, and what they value is the top end of the system because, it, again, this system is has – I mean, it has improved, and I don't think it's the 30th-ranked system anymore, but it's back to where we were where it's very top-heavy system. Right. You know, so you're going to have to – you're going to have to part with one of these guys, you know, without actually, you know, I, it's, it's just the, the whole thing's super frustrating. Yeah. So, so you want Soto's not coming here? Uh, no, <laughs> that's, that is not at all what I said. It's entirely possible, uh, that they will trade, um, all of those names I just mentioned, plus, you know, Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, and then they'll get Juan Soto. And then he'll be gone in two and a half years because Jerry won't pay him. So, yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> I, you, you know, know I, I thought about I bringing that up last week, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to bring it up. It's just. I, you know, I just had to have a laugh. Yeah. Because, you know. There seem to be some people that think it's a possibility, and I'm going. Do they um, though? I mean, I can't. There's, some of it is sarcasm, but there are some there are some people out there that seem to think it's it's a possibility. Eloy's hurt all the time, so give. Let's just get rid of him, and you know what? Luis Robert can't stay healthy, so we'll get rid of him, and we'll put a guy who's consistently, you know, in the MVP conversation every year out there in the outfield and we'll figure out the rest later. Yeah, we'll just put Ann Mangle we'll, we'll, we'll hand over. Besides the fact that yeah. he can't stay healthy either. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I I've se- I've seen some trade proposals that looked 100% real and I'm thinking to myself, I, I, are you paying attention at all? Honestly. Are you paying attention? Are you just, you know, sitting up late at night trying to figure out how to bring this guy in only to watch him walk away after giving up some of your top players? Yeah. So I've, let's just completely decimate the, the team for a oh, possibility at one. You know, uh, thank you, Theo Epstein, school of thought on that one. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, uh, I will be surprised if any trade of consequence is made, to be honest. Yeah. I'm right um, there with you. You know, like uh, I don't see a, I don't see a retooling coming. I don't see any big splash trades coming. I don't really see much of anything. Yeah, I, th- which is why I kind of believe that maybe a bullpen pitcher who's owed two three million dollars it could come here because maybe that's a third about, starter. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I that one. I, I'm not even. I'm not. It's. I'm not even optimistic about that. Honestly, uh, I think we're going to be staring at the same holes and in right field at second base going into the offseason. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if they're going to try to adjust those holes in the offseason. Now, there might be some guys in the system that could fill those holes, you know, at some point. But, 
But again, you then know, you're how left. Long, how long is you're left sitting there watching prospects develop in Major League Baseball, Major, right? And how long is this necessity. competitive window? Exactly. Right. How long is the pendant when we're going to stay open? Exactly. That's How what long, this is supposed you know, to be. And here we are still with the same stinking issues because they won't address the problems. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit in our bold predictions show before the season started. I think it was like four or five days before the season started. And you made a really good point about the Minnesota twins going out. And first of all, you know, they, they were just flat last year they weren't going to be a 73 and whatever it was, 73 and 89 team uh, again this year. And they made some moves and they did some things. And look, lo and behold, here they are at the top of the division again. And the White Sox trying to uh, just, you know, Band-Aid some things. And uh, I'm sorry, but uh, that's not going to work. If you want to you be competitive, it's not going to work. And that window is not going to stay open forever you know you're already struggling to uh, stay afloat and probably the second or maybe even first you know weakest division of baseball yep uh that's this is like the thing is that if you if you don't address you know this has been one of the complaints about the white Sox forever and ever is that there was a lack of depth and the thing is, is that I would say, yes, there is a lack of depth on the major league roster, but the lack of depth is in competent starters at every single position. That's what I was going to say. Is that, there's a lack of talent, too. Yeah, there there is depth in right field if you're going to play Andrew Vaughn there and Gavin Sheets there and Larry there, all subpar outfielders all playing positions that they shouldn't be playing. You know, it's but there but yeah. there's but there's a bunch of guys that, that they can plug in. I mean, yeah, besides the fact that never been a right fielder, you know, uh we got all these I mean, how many guys, how many different guys have played right field this year? Oh, between Sheets, Vaughn, Garcia, Pollock, uh Angle, Angle, you know, guys that either can't stay healthy, can't you know, run can't Hazley's had to have can't played hit. Hazley is has played a handful of games there. Uh, you know, it's the same thing over and over and over again. So yeah, there's outfield depth, I guess you could say. You know, there's a handful of guys that you could plug in just about anywhere besides center field. You can, you know, unfortunately they we like <laughs> we've seen Leary out there, but really it's, it should be just Lu- Luis Robert and Adam Engel at this point. But again, you know, Adam Engel, you know, laid up yet again. And Luis Robert with, you know, dizziness and he's out, you know, who knows yeah. what, who knows what the heck that even is. Is it like a, an effect of COVID? Is it dehydration? I mean, if it was dehydration, it would have been back, effect right? Of, it's, well, it's possibly lingering. I think it might be a lingering effect of some of the collisions he might have been in. You know, these guys running into each other out there. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, but whatever. Well, I mean, yeah, Mendix is out for the year, so, uh, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Uh, You know, the thing is, is like you said, there's, sure, there's there's a lack of depth in in the system, so they say. You know, I don't 
know if that's really true. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some guys that need a little more time to marinate down in the minors to get themselves up here. But like we said earlier in the show, there's a handful of guys that, you know what, probably deserve a chance because some of these other guys that are up here on it. But uh, the reality is, is the, the, the problem with the lack of depth is, is the problem with true talent in the number one spot in that position in the first place. If you had gone out, and maybe done something that some of these other teams did in the first week of what would I guess would be considered yeah. yeah, free agency and you know, winter meetings and these, you know, things where there was just an explosion of moves and the White Sox sat back and they just looked like they were unprepared or didn't care. I don't know. But either way, we watched everybody and their brother make moves while we sat here going, When is it our turn? When is it our turn? When is it our turn? Oh, lockout. Yep. You don't get a turn. So here, here's a, you know, like you hear this in the, you hear this in the draft when they're talking about prospects and you say, they say about some of these guys, well, he's a high floor, low ceiling guy, or he's a high ceiling, uh, you know, or low floor guy is a boomer bus guy. Um, like this is, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about is that, you know, when they go out and they trade for AJ Pollock who's never, you know, is not a right fielder. He's a left fielder and he's played center field, but you know, right Right. field, the, you know, it's a different spin on the ball. And, you know, the the fact that, um, you know, he just hasn't done it a whole lot, you know, but in general, you're raising the talent floor a little bit. You know, it's like that, that's what I feel like the White Sox have tried to do here is that they try and raise the talent floor just a little bit with each move without actually really trying to do anything. Without raising the ceiling, exactly. Without getting a guy like a Juan Soto or something. I mean, not that there's a Juan Soto available until until now with the trade deadline, but... um, you know, not that the no, guy like that. I, there no, was I a know handful of outfielders were. out there that were that Star- could have yeah. been had, yes, and could absolutely. have been had. You know, we looked money. at some of those deals. Yep, we looked at some of those deals that wouldn't have broken the bank, and yet they just it was like there was zero attempt made. Yep. You know, you you and I've talked about it. That you know, Rick Hahn has been known to say that we we like to zero in on our guy. Our Which guy turns out that our guy were all bullpen pitchers. Yeah, and Josh Harrison. And, you know, and uh, we hear these other rumors over the years about, well, we're in on this guy, we're in on that guy, we're in on this guy, and then, ah, oh, we tried. We tried. But, you know, the chips just didn't fall our way. Well, you know, what happens when you put all your eggs in one basket? Yep. You know, I, there's. it just seems like there's no fluidity. There's no, you know, ability to be liquid in that front office. Cast many nets, they say. You know, yeah. Because you Ugh. never know. You know, there's, there's a, there are many free agents that could have helped this team, and they zeroed in on their guys, and they got, you know, either it got their guys or didn't get their guys. You know, I mean, they zeroed on in on Machado, but then, you know, I mean, granted, I didn't particularly personally. I was not a Machado guy. I just yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah. Both of us were both, just, if anybody, Bryce Harper. Yeah, just don't like him. But the fact that they zeroed in on him, but then when they zeroed in on him, they still pulled White Sox stuff. 
you know, right. is that they found their guy and they're like, well, we felt we made a competitive offer. Well, not competitive, <clears throat> not competitive enough. No, somebody else is offering him. Right. He's offering he's somebody else is offering guaranteed money. And you're going to say you lost them in the 11th hour. Uh, no, you got cute with the contract design. And yep. that bitch in the buttocks. Yep. I mean, that that whole crazy thing that everybody said that uh, (laughs) it was going to be a $300 or $300 million contract. He said, I want $300 million. And then you went out and gave him 250 with 50 million in, you know, in clauses that you control. So he wasn't going to get to 300. Meanwhile, if you just had said, hey, here's this, he would have been here. You know, and then your grand plan of signing, uh, you know, washed up, awful players that are good friends with a guy, then that would have paid <laughs> off. You know, maybe you would have had this slight edge if he could play with his brother and his one of his best friends from down in Florida. Maybe then you might have possibly, maybe had a slight edge over the fact that he'd have to live in Chicago for several months instead of living in San Diego all year long and enjoying the weather every single day. You know, like, you have to, you know, being in Chicago, I'm sorry to say it, but you're going to have to sell people on some place like Chicago over San Diego and Yeah, we were playing in the last week of March. Yeah, and it's thirty three degrees yeah, outside, exactly. and there's a possibility of a snowstorm. Which you know, I've been to that that Sox game. Yes, you know, and then again, postseason happening in uh, October and possibly November if you were able to, uh, you know, get that deep. Uh, it's not real comfortable. Yeah, so I mean, you're gonna have to convince guys. Hey, you know, we might not have the best weather here but you know we've got your two your buddies here and we're giving you the same money that the other guys are going to give you you'll be comfortable here there's we've amassed some star players here that if you nestle yourself in between them in our batting order it's going to be dangerous you know it's going to be dangerous one to nine because Larry Garcia is awesome as well. <laughs> but, I mean, you get what I'm saying, though. You know what I'm saying? It's like there there are certain things that you could sell him on. And the fact that, you know, during the summer, Chicago is awesome. I will even concede that, and I hate the weather here. During the summer. Yeah, Pusher, Pusher says the weather might suck, but you'll get a day off every two days. Yeah, well, not likely. If it's, uh, I mean, I know that, you know, when it was negative 50 degrees, guess where I was? Work. So. I um, think he's talking about the players. Oh, you know? well, yeah. <laughs> that Yes, okay. Touche. I, that completely blew over my head. That's a good one. That's funny. Bravo. <laughs> Dang it. I hate it, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, also, today. We're going to pay you $330 million over 13 years. And, and, and you, you only, only have, have to, to play, play every two days. Yeah, it's You only great. have to play 100 games a season. Yeah, it's no no big deal. Yeah, it's awesome. Every two days you get a day off. 
Yeah, you can just sit in the you can just sit in the locker room and drink some mimosas and just hang out. Oh, man. It's by, awesome. By the way, the, the qualifiers at the end of that contract to get the last fifty million say that you have to play at least one hundred and forty games. And uh, oh, you know what? Oh There's yeah, that day off. Oh, could you have a mat? Oh, could you have imagined? Could you have imagined? Uh, had, if you bring in a guy like that, and then and Tony Larusa comes in as a manager oh, and is sitting him every third man. game. Could you? I mean, could you have imagined oh, that Christ. if like if the if the qualifiers were an overall through the entire contract's length, certain amount of games that you had to play, and in order to get there, you basically had to average like 140 a season, and he's sitting you 60 games a season. Like, could you imagine if that was? Oh man, he would have been oh, irate. It, and well, it would have been hilarious. And and the talk around town would have been, you know, contract tampering and you know, collusion and things of these nature. You know, like oh, just brutal, absolutely brutal. (laughs) That would have been just so satisfying to watch. You know, I mean, it would have been just it would have been amazing. You know, like (laughs) it's not the word I would use, but okay. Well, I mean, a, I don't really like, I don't really like Manny anyway. But the fact that you know, you could like get Jerry to finally sign off on this amount of money, but it's got these ridiculous qualifiers on it, and he's like, "Hey, Tony, so I know that you want to win and everything." But see, I got this thing with the contract where I lose fifty million dollars at the end of this contract if he plays one hundred and forty games a year. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. Like, if you know what I'm one saying, one of those one of those little nods and a wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge, you know. And uh, TLR just sits him, you know, so he only plays one hundred and twenty games, and that's on top of you know, like probably an injury here or there, so. Oh man, that was I mean that's that's the kind of comedy that I can enjoy. I'm I'm actually kind of I'm kind of sad that we lost out on that cuz that would have been a fun little thing. You know, I I'm I'm with you. I wasn't a Machado guy yeah. either. But at the same time I was following that thing on the edge of my seat just to see you know how how dedicated the White Sox were to being in on someone and I was disappointed at the end when they didn't get him only because of the feeling that maybe there was a, a turning point coming and where the White Sox become one of these teams that could possibly be spenders in the in the market, the big market for the big name. And, you know, that was really more it for me than actually getting made no, a job. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. You want to see that, you know, that your team – that you've been following your entire life finally is on the landscape after what, like 30 years after they signed Albert Bell, you know, like right. we're talking about like 30 years later, they finally sign another free agent, you know, with probably, I'm sure they'd probably put like some sort of, uh, uh, you know, don't call me, Joey Albert Bell clause in the thing where he could walk after a year like they did with him. We're like, yeah, you were great. And you played at an MVP level. Yeah, we don't want you next year. You can go ahead and walk. You know, which is exactly what they did. So, you know, the fact that they signed him and that people champion say, hey, 
Well, you know they signed they signed Albert Bell that one year back way back when. Well, yeah, they did. They signed him to a yeah. really rich contract, and then they just let him walk for nothing. Right. So they actually didn't pay him. So they didn't have to pay him. That contract exactly. was valued at the whole right. that whole argument drives me up a wall. Um, uh, did you happen to see uh, today that the MLBPA uh, rejected? Major League Baseball's proposal on the international draft. Uh, so yeah, the pool being at one hundred and ninety-one million dollars, which I mean is a slap in the face. So it's not really, it's not a surprise that they rejected that. So now we're still going to have an international free agent signing period under the same, the same rules. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 business as usual. Until there's an agreement reached, which, uh, you know, obviously won't happen until next year now, or at least, you know, whatever new rules are agreed upon won't happen until at least next year. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, like, I, and I had brought this up with, um, actually with Andy Barquette on, uh, he had posted some, uh, tweets of Lloyd L. Chappelle Jr. hitting home runs down in the DSL. And somebody had asked, you know, well, I assume that he's, you know, you know, he's not going to be in the state, you know, like it looks like he's wasting his time here, you know, why, why isn't he in the States? And I, you know, I replied, I was like, well, you can thank the U.S. tax laws and, uh, and MLB's signing date for these guys having to waste a year of their career. And he's like, uh, Andy Barquette replied saying, well, you know, with all due respect, he's not wasting any time. He's learning how to speak English. You know, he's, uh, you know, assimilating to, uh, you know, life in the White Sox system. And, you know, it's like I had to reply. And I was like, I didn't mean this guy in particular. I just meant in general, like, like especially with a guy like Oscar Colas, right, where he's right. 23 years old and you want to get him over to the States, but because – they decided to do their signing period in July. You know, uh, you end up having to, or sorry, uh, they, they changed the date. So now you have to have him, you know, once he does that, he has to sit for an entire calendar year, as opposed to when it was in July, that you could sign them in July and you could train and them. Spring, for, right. And then next spring, you could bring them over and put them in the States and they could get started on their career. Now, because it's in January, now they have to play in the DSL for an entire year, playing, especially with a guy like an Oscar Colas, you know, where he's playing against competition and Norhe Vera as well. You know, he's pitching against like 14 year olds, throwing 100 miles an hour at 14 year olds. You know, of course, of course, he's striking out six guys in two innings. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he? These kids had have no chance of hitting this stuff, so you know you have to you have to have them there now for the entire DSL season, which is great for you know again getting them assimilated and getting them you know learning a little bit of English and whatever. But Ian, I don't know how much of like when you when they say like he's assimilating himself into the Chicago White Sox system and way of doing things, like really, how much of that are you getting in the DSL? Honestly, sure, he's learning maybe a about the club some, but how much of a taste are you getting of the White Sox organization in the Dominican? Yeah. I mean, I'm all for him getting reps and whatever. Uh, but personally, I like the personally, I would like the ability for the White Sox to make the decision 
of whether, you know, if he's in July, you know, that you have the DSL for a couple of months. And then in January of next year, you know, like the beginning of the next year, you decide what you want to do with him. Do you want to send him back to the DSL because he needs to continue to learn English and still needs more reps and like that kind of competition is good for him at that level and he's at that kind of level? I would right. love for them to be able to make that choice. But right. if the guy, and, you know, and even so, if he, let's say you, you decide that you want to do those things with him, but at least he's had a chance to come and be in camp. If he gets an invitation exactly for that yep. early on. And now you're talking about really kind of getting a feel for the white Sox organization. You're meeting some of the guys that you might end up playing with at some point in your career. Uh, you're meeting some of the coaching staff that you have not had a chance to work with yet because they're here in the middle, in the middle of their season in, you know, low A, high A, single A, you know, double A, these guys, these coaching, you know, and, and the training staff, all these guys, you're now here in spring and you've got an opportunity to kind of spend some time with these guys. Even if you don't make it with one of those clubs at one of those levels and you do go back to the DSL, at, there's where your assimilation's coming from. If you need more time to make the adjustments, fine. Yeah, exactly. But, but see, that's the thing is that the club at least gets a choice at that point. When it's in January, they have no choice for an entire year. So a guy right. like Oscar Colas, yeah, he's wasting it because he should be playing against better competition. Competition, yes. For, for at least some of the season his first season with the club, you know, and that's, that's more what I, what I had meant. And I, you know, I kind of felt bad, but you know, it's one of those things. What what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're still, uh, we're still on this uh, bonus pool thing and uh, see how the white Sox managed to uh, get to a point where they have the least amount of money again for signing like they did for the draft by not extending qualifying offers and such um, to save themselves $200,000, you know, which a hundred thousand dollars, what they ended up uh, losing uh, Juan Soto over to the nationals. So there's that. So, you know, this is when that extra money in the pool can make a difference is somebody else has an extra hundred thousand dollars, but guess what? You know, stuff's important. Yeah. I mean, it seems like minutia, but in the grand scheme of things, if you don't have any additional pool money and you, you know, you're at your point where you can't go over anymore, or if you traded, I mean, if you traded some of your international money away, as the White Sox love to do because they think that's, you know, there's nobody worth signing for whatever reason. Uh. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got Michael Kopech versus uh, Herman Marquez in game one here in uh, Colorado. And then we've got uh, Giolito against uh, Senzatella in game two in Colorado. Um, so these, these, uh, these two guys in particular, um, we know that Giolito's home run per nine is up this year. 
and Copex is as well because his velocity hasn't been quite as uh, eye-popping as it has been in previous years because of the knee and not being able to uh, drive and plant correctly on that knee. Um, and the fact that he does give up some pop-ups, this could be a, a very interesting series. Normally, I would look at the White Sox pitching and say that they have a superb chance of taking both games. But because of the inconsistency that we've seen from the pitching so far this year, I'm kind of wondering how this is going to go. Are we going to split again? I mean, that would just be the way, wouldn't it? One and one. Why not? Let's go 500. Yeah. Just hover at 500. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, for the fact that, uh, you know, I'm sure three key, three key players will probably have a day off in each, in each game. Uh, Cause that's just the way this uh, season's been going. Although I think uh, I think the uh, White Sox gained a half a game on Cleveland today. They did. They 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 gained. They have gained some. They have actually gained a little bit of ground over over that nineteen game span. They 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 did actually gain. I think like a half game and then a half game tonight. I think on Cleveland. Is that right? Yeah, Cleveland lost. So yeah, so Sox gained a half game there. Yeah, so they're what a half so game. We are a half the, a game behind the Guardians. The, the Guardians. Uh. <clears throat> and uh, I, I think the Twins have the day off as well today. I don't remember seeing them on the schedule, so uh, no movement there. But, you know, still four games back after this uh, long home stretch or this long stretch of uh, games against the Central. Uh, yeah, we had this talk earlier today. It was that, uh, what was it, that the uh, White Sox have lost, like, what, uh 25 more than 25 percent of their games that they've lost this year have been to uh the guardians and the twins yep and my reply was well yeah that's that's you know that sucks yeah that you would lose to the the two better teams in your division the problem that i have is that the team's lost uh i don't remember how many games it was i think it was i think they went 16 and 12 this year so far against Kansas City, Detroit, the Cubs, and the Angels. Yes. So against four terrible teams, the fact that you only won 16 out of those 28 games, that is why this team is not in first place right now. Yep. So now we get to see, you know, again, you know, the White Sox with their uh, weakest, uh, second weakest schedule in baseball behind the Cardinals only because the NL Central is so bad. And they've got a bunch of games against the NL Central. Um, but the White Sox have the second least difficult schedule for the for the remainder of games. <coughs> and uh, I, I tell you what, um, that there's nothing inspiring yeah, about that. That. <laughs> that. that does not make me feel any better about the results. Seeing that that they're still going sixteen and twelve against against those against those teams. And I didn't. I didn't even include uh, the the three out of four loss to the Orioles because the Orioles have actually been halfway decent this year. Yeah, second or third lowest payroll in baseball. Orioles, or are they the lowest? I don't remember, but it's not. There, it's definitely not high. Uh, one thing that I did see that kind of made me laugh is that uh, Kyler Murray just signed an extension with the Cardinals. 
I think I believe it was like forty six point eight million dollars a year or something like that. It's like a hundred thousand dollars over uh over Aaron Rodgers or whatever uh yearly pay because he wanted to be the most uh the highest or no, it was over Deshaun Watson, I think. He wanted to yes. be the top paid quarterback. So uh his salary for this season is $2 million more than the Oakland Athletics' entire payroll who drafted him yeah. as a number one pick. So I thought that was uh, fairly entertaining. Indeed. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, so again, we're going to say that, well, we'll come back next Monday for the stream next Monday. And we'll have a better idea of whether you know who these White Sox are, uh, but realistically, we could come back next Monday, and I still don't have any idea. Whoa! Oh, I lost it for a second. It's oh. probably at my end, but yeah, I think it was. You're back. Yeah, I think you know, like we could come back next Monday, and thinking that uh, we'll have a better idea next Monday of where this team is and who they are. But in reality, probably what's going to happen is next Monday, we're going to come back and there's still going to be all sorts of questions. The bitchiest duo in white Sox podcast. I'd like to say that that's, History. that is fairly accurate. You know what? It's not about being bitchy. We will say this over and over again. Realistic. We are both huge fans. We both want nothing more than our team to do well, which is why we bitch, because we see them for what they are. Yeah, no, I. that's the thing. Is I, I don't want to sugarcoat any of this stuff, and, like, it's just not in my, it's not in my nature to be, you know, a glass half full kind of guy. It's just not. Um, I see it as a half glass. It's not half full. It's not half empty. It's a half glass. No, and I can tell you what, in all of our bitchiness, I, I would, I would, I would provoke people to call me out on where I've been wrong and my bitchy reason, the things that I bitch about. Because I'll tell you what, right now, uh, it's when I try to be positive that it turns out uh, wrong. <laughs> That's where you, you know, get burned. Up, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yep. I, I brought up that that our uh, our bold prediction show earlier in this podcast and i do remember one of my bold predictions being that uh, the white Sox were going to have possibly four guys uh in the mvp race and so i said those i said those four guys of those four guys not a single one of them will be named as a brave i was trying to be positive i was trying to say that you know luis robert that could other be guys the would step up yeah yeah he could you know luis robert could be the under armor mannequin and and go out and do what Luis Robert has been said he can do, and then I said the same thing. I was like, Loy Menes is gonna be healthy, and he's gonna do his thing. And boy, was I wrong. And then I said, you know what, Yoan Moncada's on a you know you know he's gonna have a breakout season. <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know what, I will say that over the Tim last, Anderson's uh, gonna the do his thing. Well, and you know what, he has been. Yeah, no, and Yoan Moncada now that it seems like he's finally healthy and back after the. Uh, you know, after the the, the lat or the oblique or whatever it was that that he was having an issue with, now now that he's finally looking healthy, he's putting a good swing on the ball and he's hitting the ball hard. 
and his uh, oh, his exit velocity is like almost a hundred. So I mean, he's back to hitting the baseball hard again. So, but yes, it it's been a slow progression. And I'm I just saying, you know, when when I try to saying. be positive, yep. When I try to be positive, it's when I end up walking away with egg on my face. And you know what? That's fine. I'm not going to be right about everything. But damn it, when we're bitching. I implore you to to find something that we have been bitching about that isn't true. Punch a hole. Punch a hole. <laughs> Punch a hole in our dam. I I I dare you cuz so I, far yeah. unfortunately <clears throat> we've been fairly accurate about all this stuff and uh, about all the holes in I'm the team. I'm waiting for it's somebody to give me I told you so. Yeah. Go ahead, give me I told you so. Yeah. Please. Cuz you know what? If you're right and I'm wrong, it probably means things are going better than uh they are at the and I will gladly take egg on the face. I would, that. yeah. I'll eat crow happily. You know, I I would love to do that, but unfortunately, it's just you know hasn't happened yet. So I will, I will, I will happily be the wrongest of wrong, the wrongest. If it means the White Sox are winning, I would love to be wronger than wrongest. <laughs> but I uh, I haven't been the wrongest yet. So, um. So, thanks for coming and hanging out tonight. We appreciate all you. Uh, gonna enjoy some uh, two games in Colorado for the White Sox, and then the uh, um, then uh, gonna have Oakland here um, at home, which, and then followed by the Royals at home. So uh, we know how that uh, that whole thing goes um, so far this year. Let's hope that. Finally, they can, you know, manage to figure out something at home. This 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 uh, homestand and yeah, finally and maybe not together you know, some play down to the competition, which is bad this time. Royals and the A's both not good, both in the bottom of the league in runs and offense and uh, pitching, but you know. Like everything else, you never know. You never know which team you're going to get. Play the White Sox like it's uh, like it's the World Series. Yeah, the one thing I did see that uh, that made me laugh a lot is that uh, somebody said, "You know what really helped the White Sox this year is if they could play the White Sox." Because <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. Uh, I feel, I feel, you know, but then again, they'd probably go five hundred. Um, <laughs> Both of them would be 500. They'd play each other 16 times, and both teams would win eight. That's the way eight this eight. would yeah. go. Um, but uh, at Daily White Sox on the Twitter machine, um, whitesoxdaily.substack.com is the site. Uh, you can find all sorts of uh, nice uh, prospect articles and stuff from Dan Victor and uh, – Find some other stuff on there, uh, some interviews and things that I've done, and uh, there's some older content on there. We're actually looking to. Uh, you have a great night, pusher. Um, we're actually looking to uh, in. start doing some more, uh, some more stories on there and uh, putting some more pieces up there because we've been lacking on that, and we realize that. And uh, you know, we'll start doing that. Uh, there's a Facebook group, uh, White Sox Daily on Facebook, and um, obviously here. Uh, at White Sox Daily, uh, or actually twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily. Uh, you can find us here every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
Um, we have a good time in here. We uh, hang out and read the chat, and we all laugh about uh, the stupid things that we're watching. And um, we appreciate all you. We thank you for uh, coming in and watching, guys. Um, and uh, this will be available in podcast form tomorrow uh, at any of your podcast places that you get them, uh, Spotify and all those uh, Apple, you know, Apple Music and all that stuff, uh, iTunes. Um, so, uh, and it will also be posted. I'll post the link on the on Twitter tomorrow. Um, just like to thank you guys very much for coming in. Uh, f- my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great night, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks.